0: Hello, everyone. My name is Arti, and this is the Mahabharata. Episode 37 Subhadra and the Khandava Forest. My apologies for the late posting. I'm experiencing some technical problems of the aged computer in its death throes variety. Hope to have all of that sorted out shortly. Our last episode left us rather in shock. Arjuna, after faithfully observing a year of celibacy, has fallen madly in love with a girl he sees at the Vrishni carnival. She turns out to be Subhadra, Krishna's little sister now he's desperate to marry her. Appealing to Krishna for advice, he receives the interesting counsel that he should steal her away by force. Now, I know what you're thinking. Hmm. Kidnapping. Isn't that a bit drastic? Couldn't we have brainstormed other ideas that might have been, you know, less terrifying? Because maybe violent abduction is not as romantic as it sounds. I mean, the Ramayana certainly didn't think so when Ravan kidnapped Sita. But before you get all judgy, let's be fair, okay? A. Arjuna is way cuter than Ravan, and that's not nothing. B. Sure, we could have just persuaded Daddy to call off the rose ceremony. But where's the fun in that? And C we kshatriyas. We have to consider that most important of kshatriya ordering principles, WWRMD. To wit, what would real men do? Real men don't ask, they take, with the more shock and awe the better. Arjuna's first marriage had involved a virtuoso performance in archery, but different projects require different methodologies, you know? In any case, first, get the blessing of the folks back home. Arjuna starts writing. Dear brother, he clicks on the tiny keyboard, but then he can't think of what to say. So important to get the right tone, you know, the right inflection. He starts again. My dearest brother, but again, what do you say? I've met this amazing girl and I want to kidnap her. Krishna says it's okay. He stares at the text and erases that too my dear and respected big brother. But what if Yudhishthira says no? What if Draupadi sees his phone? What if his mother says no? But why would Kunti say no? The Vrishnis are her own family, after all. Maybe that's why. Because obviously Subhadra is my cousin, just like Krishna. What if mum disapproves of such a close relation? Arjuna drafts and deletes 20 text messages, all tied up in knots about what to say. Finally, he decides to do it in bite-sized pieces. My dear and most respected big brother, he begins again. My year of exile's almost over, and I've missed you all so much. Send. Currently visiting Krish and Dvarka, all is splendid, so hot in Dvarka. Send. Then he gets to the point. I've met this girl. Send. Well, strictly speaking, I haven't met her. I've just seen her, but I really like her. Smiley face emoji. In fact, dear brother, I'm completely in love. Can't conceive of life without her. Hover over the send button for a moment, then whoosh. You'll be glad to know she's of a good family. In fact, she's Krish's little sister. Hesitate again, then send. Chris approves. Says he'll settle it with uncle and family thing won't be a problem. Send. Please say yes. Five emojis of hands folded. I love her so much. Five thumping heart emojis. Just want your blessing before the kidnapping. He signs off. Love to everyone. Tell mum I'm dying for some Alu gobi. He sends off the last text in a big swoop and then collapses on his seat, waiting for a response. One minute, two minutes, three minutes, he starts getting anxious. Oh no, what if Drapati saw the texts? What if mum saw them? What if they're all having a conference right now and saying I've lost my mind? What if they say no? At the ten-minute mark, Arjuna is pacing the courtyard, biting his nails. Why, oh why, did I ask for permission? When will I ever learn that most important lesson in life? Do first, say sorry later. He stares at the phone. Why won't he answer? What's taking so long? Maybe he's in the bathroom. At minute twenty, his phone pings. He's afraid to look. But there are no words. Just... A thumbs up. Arjuna almost flings the phone in joy. See, so glad I asked permission. So much better to know than to fret in anxiety. T-Y, 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 he writes back. Then X-O. He dances a jig of joy, giddy with happiness. Now to planning. The only abduction he's ever executed before is of King Drupad, now his father-in-law. Clearly, we can't follow the same MO. This one has to be a softer, sweeter affair. On the other hand, he can't risk it failing, so he plans it like a military campaign. He's got intel from Krishna that Subhadra is headed out of town in two days on a trip to a mountain shrine. He studies the route on Google Earth, then does a trial run the night before. Kushner's lent him his favourite James Bond car, 0-200 to 200 in 3 seconds flat, rigged with headlight-mounted Gatling guns, rare bullet shields, tear gas cartridges on the number plate, jet-propelled ejector seats, an entire rare bumper mounted with rocket launchers. He's very keen to impress his beloved. As an expression of his ardour, he's also had the car retrofitted with the softest deerskin leather seats imaginable and stocked the console with known aphrodisiacs. Chocolate, strawberries, roses. She should see he's not a barbarian. The morning off, he stops at the petrol station to check fluids. He's calling the operation Angel Face. As soon as Subhadra descends from the mountain, Arjuna swoops in like an eagle. He snatches the girl forcefully and shoves her into the car. Then he races off. It all happens so fast, they're halfway down the road before the guards even realize what's hit them. A mad chase ensues on the highway with bullets flying, cars crashing, tires screeching, and shrieking brakes. But the guards don't stand a chance. Within minutes, Arjuna is a receding dot on the horizon, and the guards Speed back with the news to Dvarka. Complete mayhem breaks out in Krishna's city. At the best of times, the Vishnis are an excitable lot, but this is an outrage. Mad with fury, they're ready to kill Arjuna. Sirens are sounded and the military gets into gear. But before they can mobilize, Balram interrupts. Let's ask Krishna what he thinks. He's the one who invited Arjuna here. Now his guest has violated our trust and abducted our sister. What does Krishna have to say? Krishna stands up and addresses the assembly. I say we make peace, not war. We have no hope of defeating him anyway. So don't look at the means, look at the ends. This is a good alliance for us. I say we invite him back and celebrate the union. We look like fools if we lose the battle, but there's no defeat in diplomacy. Camera two, meanwhile, is with Arjuna, Subhadra in the back seat. Yesterday she had her pick of suitors. Today, all her choices are gone. Did she want to be the junior wife of a man already married? Tattoo in some bizarre arrangement where he shares his wife with his four brothers? But Subhutra is a glass-half-full kind of girl. Some men buy flowers, others take you skiing in the Alps, yet others tattoo your name on their forearms. But kidnapping, that's a rarefied expression of love. For the next few weeks, there'll be high drama in the Pandava Vrishni households. Arjuna will be persuaded to return to Dwarka, where the Vrishnis will forgive him and he'll be properly married to Subhadra. They'll honeymoon in Pushkar. Then the couple will head home to Indraprast, where there's the little matter of introducing the new bride to Draupadi. That's a potentially volatile situation that must be handled with delicacy. Fortunately, Arjuna has mastered the requisite skills. To cajole Draupadi into accepting Subhadra, he has Subhadra dress as a maid and approach Draupadi with self-effacing humility. Served the fetta with no choice even to argue, Draupadi knows, accept her or reject her, Subhadra is not going away. Swallowing her feelings, she acknowledges the marriage. May at least your husband have no rivals. Subhadra will be Arjuna's favourite wife, but she'll maintain a low profile in our text. When the Pandavas go into exile, Draupadi will accompany them, but Subhadra will return to her parents. Her fame will be through her son, the beloved of Krishna, Arjuna and all the Pandavas, the brilliantly gifted boy hero, Abhimanyu. All's going well in the Pandava camp, and the city of Indraprest is taking shape. It sprawls over a thousand hectares of land, and like Troy has walls five meters thick, eight meters high, encircled by a deep moat full of crocodiles. There are wide tree-lined avenues with parks and recreational spaces, large public squares with gaslit lamps, markets, bazaars, affluent residential colonies. The economy is booming, as is the population, and the Pandavas are already eyeing the outskirts of the city for further development. In the lazy summer months, Krishna comes to visit. The family goes picnicking in the cool shade of trees by the river Yamuna. There's food and wine and children running about laughing. Everyone's relaxing. Archana and Krishna go for a ride. Along the way, they're approached by a Brahmin, tall like a palm tree, a complexion like gold, black-garbed, striking in appearance. They dismount and talk to him. I'm very hungry, he tells them. I haven't had a full meal in a long, long time. Will you help me? Arjuna and Krishna agree immediately. Whatever you want, of course. We'll fetch it for you. I don't eat that kind of food, he tells them, and reveals himself. I'm Agni. Agni. Fire himself. The food that I want is this wood. The Khandava forest is protected by Indra because his friend Takshaka the snake lives here. But I want to consume it. If you've promised me food, that's the food I want. I shall burn down this forest, eating to my heart's desire. Your job will be to check anyone who tries to stop me. Arjuna thinks... I'm willing to help you, but if we're messing with the gods, I need better equipment. I need a better bow with an inexhaustible quiver. I need a better chariot. I need faster horses that aren't going to tire, as well as. He hands the Brahmin a list of supplies. That's not a problem. Agni provides him with all the arms that will be Arjuna's signature weapons moving forward the Gandiva bow created by Brahma himself, self-replenishing quivers, a chariot built by the divine architect Vishvakarma, with monkey banner identifying it forever as Arjuna's. It's yoked to swift silver horses that move with the speed of thought. Agni also gifts Krishna a boomeranging, thunderbolting discus that'll become Krishna's favorite weapon. He showers them with other arms as well. Ready? Arjuna gives him the thumbs up. You can get started whenever you wish. What follows is one of the most extraordinary events of the Mahabharata. For the next few days, the Khandava forest will burn, along with all of its inhabitants. Arjuna and Krishna will commence a massacre like we haven't seen before. They'll trap the forest denizens in on every side, refusing to allow anyone to escape. Whenever they see a creature trying to escape, they'll chase it down, forcing it back into the conflagration. If they find a puddle of water, Arjuna and Krishna will fish them out, flinging them back into the fire. There'll be no hole to burrow into, no respite of any sort. Hair-raising screams will be heard miles away as creatures die. Entire families will perish. Fathers, mothers, daughters, sons, birds and beasts, deities and dhanavas, forest fairies of every variety, snakes and animals. There'll be bodies everywhere, shot through with arrows. Others will be hacked into pieces. The howls of terror will be such that they echo through the worlds and fire alarms will go off in the heavens. The gods will hastily gather and note that the earth is burning in the Khandava tract. Indra will leap into action to protect his friend Takshaka. Remember him, our troublemaking jewel thief, to kill whom Janamejaya undertakes his sacrifice of snakes? But Takshaka is a wily one and just happens to be out of town, perhaps masterminding another jewel heist. His whole family, however, is in the forest. His wife will try desperately to save her son, thinking to swaddle him within herself. But as soon as Arjuna sees her, he'll cut off her head, sending it flying a mile away. And Takshika's baby will be left helpless. Then Indra will try to rescue the child, sending forth gusts of wind and torrential rains. In the chaos, Takshika's son will escape, but when Arjuna realizes what Indra has done, he'll be so enraged he'll turn his ire onto Indra. He'll launch the hurricane missile, with which he'll disperse the clouds of Indra and thwart his every effort to protect the forest. Then all the gods, old and new, will join forces to kill the pair. Indra, Shiva, Varuna, Dhatar, Aryaman, the Rudras, Vasus, Maruts, but to no avail. Arjuna and Krishna move in perfect concert with unerring instinct like two halves of one being. Indra will uproot entire mountain peaks, but Arjuna will shatter them with his arrows. Elephants, tigers, hyenas, bears, deer, buffalo, birds and snakes, deities and dhanavas, creatures big and small, will all be slaughtered. The gods can't save them. Arjuna and Krishna won't stop until the earth is heaving with the blood and fat and smouldering flesh of every forest creature. Now, I know what you're thinking. What just happened? We were just at a wedding and having babies and picnicking in the park. Did our story just take a really dark turn, where Krishna and Arjuna, instead of protecting innocent creatures, are murdering them? Why? Why such cruelty? What could possibly justify such a thing, specifically preventing animals from escaping a frightful death, even chasing down the ones who try to slash them to bits? Aren't these supposed to be the good guys? Doesn't the Mahabharata talk about ahimsa and non-cruelty and the idea that one should be a refuge to others should inspire fearlessness, not fear? So what's going on? The burning of the Khandava forest is one of the most controversial episodes in the Mahabharata. What's it all about? There are some theories, some pretty provocative ones, that see the episode as an allegory for different types of historical events. What are these events? Is there anything to such interpretations? How should we think about this? Let's have that conversation next time, if you'll join me for another episode of the Mahabharata. Thank you.